0: Well, over the past couple of weeks, uh, if you've been around here, you know that we have been in a series called The B Team, and I've really enjoyed this series, and we've been looking at stories in the Bible that don't always get a ton of airtime. They're they're stories that we tend to miss, They're, they're stories that... Often we kind of even wonder, like, why did God decide to put that story in the Bible? And today we're going to look at another B team story. And this story that we're going to look at today is actually tucked into the Old Testament. It's really easy to go right over it. It's oftentimes um, not really called out. It's the story of Hosea and Gomer. Now, how many of you have ever heard the story of Hosea? And Gomer, Not many of us, but a few of us here uh, have our hands raised. Hosea was actually one of God's prophets. And uh, a prophet was essentially a person used by God to communicate his heart to his people. It was like they, their life was a megaphone of God's voice, essentially. And the story of Hosea and Gomer is a powerful story. But I have to tell you right at the beginning, it is a complex story. I mean, this story, it's, it's both beautiful and broken. It's filled with a lot of pain. It's, it's actually a love story, but I do want to let you know right at the beginning that this love story between Hosea and Gomer, it does have a good ending. It has a good ending, unlike La La Land. <laughs> I'm still getting over that ending. And for those of you that haven't seen it, I'm about to ruin this movie for you. The fact that they are not together at the end, it's terrible. My heart is broken over it. And all of you that are like, I can't believe you ruined it. Friends, it's been out for months. You had plenty of time to see it, okay? But unlike La La Land, this story, this story of Hosea and Gomer, it's a beautiful ending. In fact, I oftentimes like to kind of picture the stories of Scripture as if they were a movie. Uh, In fact, you know, I think this would be a great movie. Somebody should turn the story of Hosea and Gomer into a movie. And if it would help you to kind of picture Hosea, he's the guy in the story. If you want to picture Ryan Gosling as I'm preaching through this, if that would help, feel free. But we're going to dive into the story of Hosea and Gomer. And as I said, it's found in the Old Testament. You can turn to page 625. (coughs) And we're going to start right in the beginning of this love story between Hosea and Gomer. It says in Hosea chapter 1 verse 2, it says, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblime, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now let's stop right there. What a start to a story, right? (laughs) You're like, why did you pick this? I mean, why did you? Exactly. This is a B-team story that we don't tend to often look at. But I wanna pause for a minute because what's remarkable to me, right, in these first two, ch- two verses, it says that God said to marry a woman that will be unfaithful. And the text says, so he married Gomer. Now, Gomer was, in fact, a prostitute. And what's remarkable to me about the start of this story is that it says that when God instructed Hosea to marry this promiscuous woman, there is no like span of time where Hosea goes away and kind of deliberates on what the Lord has just said. There's not a moment where he goes off and says, thank you, Lord, I heard what you said. I, I need to go and build my pros and cons list about whether I'm going to obey you or not, right? There's not a moment where where he looks back to God and says, you know, Lord, this is strange uh, counsel that you're giving me. This is a strange instruction that you're giving to me. But you know what? I'm I'm gonna go and meet with my wise counsel and see what they have to say about what it is that you've asked me to do. None of that happens. And, And let's be honest, this is a crazy instruction from God, right? You know, if one of our soulmates Couples came up to us and said, you know, hey, this is my fiance, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, most likely they're gonna be unfaithful to me, and I'm gonna just step into a marriage where there's just gonna be heartbreak over and over and over and over and over again. I would say, you may wanna rethink this, right? But Hosea listens to God here. In fact, it says that uh, Gomer actually conceived, and, and they had a son, and in verse four it says, then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And in that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Now you have to remember, the book of Hosea is a, is a prophetic book, right? And so all of this is metaphor. All of this is God speaking to us through this metaphor. It goes on, verse six, Gomer conceived again, gave birth to a daughter this time. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her lo rumaha, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all even forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah And I will save them, not by bow, not by sword, not by battle or by horses and horsemen. But I, the Lord, will be their God and I will save them. So you see the intensity of God here speaking through these children that are being born, right? I mean, her name literally means not loved. Verse 8, it goes on. After Gomer had weaned Lo-Rumaha, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo am I, which means not my people, for you are not my people anymore, and I am not your God. Talk about an intense start to a story, right? you can see why this would make a great movie, right? It has all the tension. It has all the drama. You know, it has all the intensity of a story. And yet, can you imagine this from Hosea's point of view? Here's Hosea, a prophet of God, and what God calls him to do is the unthinkable, right? Can you imagine? Isaiah had no idea what he was getting himself into. The first thing is Hosea is married to a woman named Gomer. Okay? I'm not going to say anything about that. But, but he's married to a woman named Gomer. And then he ends up having three children. And clearly, he doesn't get to be a part of the process of picking out their names, Right? God just says, I am going to allow these children and their names to be a metaphor for the relationship between Israel and me. And, you know, every single year they kind of put out a list of names, like the most popular names, right, of, of what everybody is, is naming their children, right? I don't think any of these names were on the list that year. I mean, there's no Ethan or, or Emma here in the list, right? Th- these are painful names and their pictures about how Israel continued to turn away from the heart of God. The first child, his name was Jezreel, and Jezreel was actually a city which was located in the heart of Israel. And it was in Jezreel that much of the evil associated with Israel's history actually originated. The name Jezreel means that God scatters. And so literally, the picture here in this moment is God saying to the people of Israel, why do you keep turning from me? Why, why do you keep making idols instead of worshiping me, the one true God? I have the capacity to just scatter you. Goes on, the second child, a daughter, was given a name that meant to have no Mercy. Literally, her name meant no mercy. And this name was a symbol and a picture of the unending idol worship that Israel continued to commit over and over and over again. And God named this child no mercy because his mercy and grace continued to be abused by the Israelites. I mean, can you imagine having a new daughter and you're so excited to show her off and you go and you see your friends and you're holding her in your arms and everyone says, oh, she's so cute. She's so adorable. What's her name? Her name is No Mercy. You know, God is speaking about how he feels about the Israelites that continued to turn away. There's a third child which is a son. And the name that was given to him, the meaning of that name was not mine. It's the meaning of the name or, or, or he doesn't belong to me. And this name seems to have significance both to Hosea's marriage and to Israel's relationship to God. Because we don't know all of the circumstances as to how this occurred. But essentially it appears later in the story that somehow Hosea came to the realization that this child, this son of his, was actually not his own. That Gomer had had betrayed their marriage She had returned to her life of promiscuous ways and this child that they had birthed was from another man. And again, another prophetic symbolism And that just as Gomer birthed a child from another man, so Israel continued to raise up its children to worship idols instead of the one true God. And this name is a picture of God being so heartbroken, so heartbroken that he gets to the point where he says, Israel, do I need to disown you? I mean, are you just gonna continue to push my grace and push my mercy as if it will never run out? So you have Hosea who, who marries this prostitute. They have these three very specifically named children and Gomer decides that this is all too much for her. she's done with being rescued by Hosea. She's done with this love that Hosea has poured out to her and she decides she's gonna return to the life that she left. And so Gomer leaves the the family. She leaves her children. She begins to sleep around. The marriage falls apart. She abandons her husband. She abandons her family. And she goes from man to man. And Hosea somehow finds out. He finds out where she's at. And he finds out that literally she has no money. She has no food. And her life has fallen into utter despair. Now you can imagine... There's probably a part of Hosea that has felt so hurt, so betrayed, so broken, that there's a part of him that's thinking, good. Good, she deserves it. But you know what Hosea does? He finds a way to send her food, to send her resources, even in the pit of her betrayal. And you would think that that would begin to soften her heart, right? It doesn't. She continues on. She continues on in in, in being, uh, you know, just promiscuous and and putting herself in a life where she continues to run from Hosea. And eventually, one of the men that she is with sells her into slavery. And Hosea learns about this, and and he hears that this wife, this mother of his children has now been sold off into slavery. Her life has gotten to the bottom. And what does Hosea do? He goes and he purchases his wife. And he says, you can come back home. In fact, in Hosea 2, 14 and 15, it says, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the Valley of Acre a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. And you need to hear and you need to know that Hosea in this story, he's representing how God freed the Israelites from Egypt. And in this moment, he's saying, don't you remember what I've done for you? I'm gonna take you back to that place. I'm gonna take you back to that place where I, where I opened up the rivers so you could cross through. I'm gonna take you back to that place where I rescued you from slavery. I'm gonna take you back to that place where you once felt my love. I love how the message version says that. It. it says, and now here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start all over again. You know what I love about God? God is not into finish lines. He's into starting lines. He is not about you getting to every finish line in your life. He is saying, if you need a new start, I will always meet you at the starting line. And it says right here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start all over again. I'm taking her back out into the wilderness where we had our first date. See what I mean? This is such a great movie, isn't it? I'm going to court her. I'm going to give her bouquets of roses and I'm going to turn heartbreak valley in acres of hope. Anyone ever have their heart broken? God says, I'm going to turn heartbreak valley in acres of hope. You know, for those of us that have endured heartbreak, for those of us that have endured your heart literally cracking open, feeling like I don't know if I can keep going. You need to hear today, sometimes it takes your heart breaking for your heart to awaken. Can I get a witness in this place? Sometimes it just takes our heart being broken open for God to actually awaken our heart. You see, God is often closest when we are at our lowest. And sometimes it's through our heart breaking that he most wakes us up. And here's the thing, a broken heart is never the whole story. A broken heart is never the whole story when it comes to God because the story of Hosea and Gomer, it's an unbelievable story of heartbreak. Yes, it's it's so filled with pain and betrayal and brokenness and heartbreak. But these B-team players, they have such a powerful and profound message for every single one of us because I think most of us, when we were looking at this story, if we were to read it and if someone were to say, and you were in a Bible study and someone Somebody would say like, so who do you most identify with in this story? All of us would be like, oh, Hosea for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm the hero in this story. Because let me tell you my story. I mean, let me tell you about the times where I thought somebody had made a promise with me and then they broke that promise. Or let me tell you about the time where where I instilled my trust with somebody and then they went out and they broke my trust. You see, we want to identify with Hosea in this story, don't we? Hosea's the hero. Hosea's the one that says, no, you can come back home, Gomer, but I think you know where I'm going here, don't you, church? The story of Hosea and Gomer is not really a story of Hosea and Gomer. It is the story of God and Israel. And ultimately, it is the story of God and each of us. And here is the good news today. Friends, you are Gomer in the story. You're Gomer in the story. And while your actions may not be the same as Gomer... Every single one of us is capable of becoming careless in our relationship with God. And the ways that you have been careless in your relationship with God, it may not be as extreme. And there's a part of you that is saying, well, I mean, fine. I I mean, sure, there's parts of me that are like Gomer. But I mean, I haven't like abandoned my husband. I haven't abandoned my children. I'm, I'm not living a life of deception. I'm not living a life of betrayal. But every time we turn our heart against God and we give our heart over to something other than God, we are just like the Israelites. We're just like the Israelites that have forgotten that God is the God that parted the sea, that God is the God that released us from slavery, that God is the God that literally came to the valley of brokenness and restored our hope again. You see, the love affair between God and Israel was this painful one. Israel belonged to God, he chose them, and somewhere along the way, they began to give their hearts over to the love of another, and yet God patiently pleaded with them. And he said, with me, you're never too far to come home. And what I love about this story is this story reminds us that hearts can never be the same after heartbreak. Your heart can never actually be the same once it's been broken open. And that's what happened with Hosea. His heart was broken open for Gomer. And he said, you can always come back home. And this is why I love this story and the hope that it offers, even in the midst of such heartbreak, because God never, ever, ever stops loving us. His grace never runs out. He never stops pursuing us. He never stops wanting a relationship with us. And this is the good news in this story is that God always goes and finds us and says, you can come back home. What I love is that in the story, and I would encourage you to read it, it's an amazing story, God even redeems the names of the three children. He turns their name, he changes their name. Because God is a God that says, you can always come back home. You see, God can use despair to deepen our dependence. God can use us when we are at the very lowest, when we're in the midst of despair, to deepen our dependence on him. And you need to hear today that no matter what you might have done, no matter how long it's been since you walked away from God, no matter how far you have wandered from his presence, no matter what has occurred in your life or no matter what has not occurred in your life, Gomer had to be willing to come back home. She had to look in the mirror and see that she had wandered far from Hosea. And while there was pain in the story, God redeemed it. God redeemed it as Hosea said to Gomer, come back home, come back home. And ultimately, Hosea is God in the story. The mystery of God's love is that it always meets us where we are and it never leaves us where it found us. It's the mystery of God's love. It always meets us right where we're at. The love of God, the love through Hosea met Gomer when she was at her lowest and said, you can come back home and no matter where you are at today, God's love will meet you right where you're at. And his love always says, you can begin again. In fact, in a moment, we're going to experience together what it looks like to say, I'm coming back home. I'm coming back home to the love of God, to the freedom, to the hope, to the forgiveness, to the grace, to the unconditional love that never runs we're celebrating baptism today and what baptism is is it's a moment for someone to say i'm coming back home my life is not perfect in fact it is far from perfect but i'm coming back home to where god has saved and redeemed and changed my life and for some of you You came here today and you thought, this will be fun. I'm excited to celebrate baptism. I'm excited to to see people's lives transformed and you don't even realize that the life that's going to be transformed is your life. The person that is going to be baptized is you. In fact, I want you to take a look at this story of a friend of mine who his life um, was in a valley of heartbreak. And he started to open himself up to God. And I want you to see what Jesus has done in and through his life as we prepare to celebrate baptism. So take a look at Jim's story.
1: So I was born and raised in a big Catholic family in St. Louis, I went to church every week as a kid, and as I got a little older and I got my driver's license and went to college, my attendance at church started to dwindle. I think I carried a lot of confusion as to what being a Catholic really meant, and I had a lot of confusion about my faith. That isn't to say that the Catholic Church doesn't hold a special place in my heart. I met my wife um, actually in the Catholic Church. But even through our marriage, despite having our kids baptized there and us being married in the Catholic Church where we actually met, my faith and my connection to, to God and Jesus felt like it was missing something. In 2014, I met Jeannie Stevens in a small group outside of Seoul City. I remember meeting her and being really, really inspired. Uh, I was at a point in my life where I had taken a one year sabbatical from my job in the finance industry. Uh, I was searching for meaning, I guess, for purpose. And my first experience of Jeannie was a person who just was filled with purpose. So my wife Donna and I became friends with Jeannie and Jarrett, and we started coming to Soul City in early 2015. About a year after I met Jeannie, I asked her to go to lunch one day to talk about Jesus. Uh, I had a good connection, I felt, to God, and I felt a good connection to the Holy Spirit. But I, I always felt a little confused about the role Jesus played in my life. So we went to lunch one day, and Jeannie drew all over a table in the West Loop at lunch, and I think it was the idea that Jesus was the human manifestation of God on Earth. He was a a human version of perfection, of God's perfection walking on planet Earth living a sinless life, and His life could serve as a role model for me and how I can live my life. That was really, to me, the start of a better understanding of the life of Christ and what the role that He was gonna start playing in my life. So we came on Baptism Sunday, and it wasn't our first time here on Baptism Sunday, but something about Jarrett's words on stage that day that really, really started to tug at my heart, and I could start to I could start to feel my body, I could feel my heart race, I could feel like God was talking to me. I could feel my mind cutting in, and my ego really starting to say, it was giving me all sorts of excuses on why today wasn't the right time. You should plan, other people should be here, should be more, there should be more preparation to get ready to do something so big. Um, and I just remember Jarrett sitting up there basically Giving an answer to every question that I was raising in my head, trying to stop from doing it, and Jarrett had the answer, and I, I, I finally, you know, the word that really overcame me that day was surrender—just let go and let God, you know, have His plan for me that day. It felt like God's voice was in my in my head and in my heart, saying, "This is the time." I felt God's presence in Jeannie's voice and her words that day, you know, and the words that really stuck with me were that in all my imperfection, in all the times of shame and doubt and self-judgment that, you know, God's been holding me and God sees the perfection in all my imperfection. And I remember being laid down into the water and coming back up and feeling like, you know, if I carried shame for whatever, it was as if that water just washed all the shame off me. It's been profoundly different since the baptism. Often now I feel the presence of Jesus talking to me. There's something that pauses me now that says, what would Jesus do? And having that connection to Him and having His voice coming through me, speaking to me more regularly is, is just leading me into a more fulfilling life. My name is Jim, and this is what transformation looks like in public.
0: I love hearing Jim's story, and so many of the reasons why I love hearing his story is because I've got to watch his life um, be transformed by the love of God over the last three years. And... It's amazing, it's amazing to behold a human heart being transformed by God's love, isn't it? There's nothing like it. And my hunch is there are many of you here today and for whatever reason, for whatever reason you have have not experienced the love of God through the waters of baptism. Maybe for you, you have been waiting for just the right moment. Uh, You keep wanting it to feel like a perfect day, right? You you keep wanting it to feel like just the right time. And friends, it's 75 and sunny today. It doesn't get more perfect than that. For you, maybe you don't like being in front of people or you don't want to talk into a microphone. Well, the good news is you don't have to talk in front of a microphone, you, you don't have to actually tell your story. For others of you, there's a part of you that's like, well, I, I would love to do that, and I think I'm supposed to do that, and I feel God calling me to do that, but I don't have the right people here. Like, I want to make sure that I send out the evite, and everybody responds, and they all come, and you know, and they're watching. And, and I would just say, don't ignore if God is calling you to do this. Maybe for some of you, you're saying... You know, I, I, I'm just not sure if I, I want to go into the water. I didn't bring a change of clothing. You know, I'm having a good hair day. I, I don't want that to get all messed up. And we have every single thing that you need. We have a change of clothing in every single size. We, we have everything that you would need, the t-shirt, the shorts, the, the all of it. You can, you can go and dry your hair and return to that good hair day. For others of you, I, I know that for you, it's similar to Jim's story. And maybe you were baptized as a child. And, and for me, that is my story. I'm so grateful. My parents chose to baptize me as a child. But at some point along the way, I had to choose to make my faith my own. I love their intention and I love their sentiment and I love their, their decision to want to raise me in a home and in a family that would know the love of God. But at some point, I had to choose if I wanted the love of God in my life. And so for me, I chose to be baptized as an adult. And for some of you, you've yet to make that decision. You know, all throughout the scriptures, every single recording of a baptism is actually an adult being baptized, And so for some of you today, today is the day for you to say, my faith is my own. And I'm gonna enter into the waters of baptism. And I wanna say to those of you that feel that stirring and you feel that movement inside of you, that is the voice of God calling you. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit prompting and stirring. And so I wanna say, what could be standing in the way of you being baptized today? Because the good News of Jesus is entirely good news. When people say, I've got good news and I've got bad news for you, there is no bad news in Jesus. It is all good news. And that's ultimately the story that we looked at today. It's the story of Hosea and Gomer. It's the story of you and me. It is the story of Jesus coming and saving and redeeming and setting us free. And friends, you need to hear today, you are loved. It's not because you earned God's love. You are loved because he loves you. And there's nothing that you can do to erase his love. And you need to hear that you are forgiven. There's nothing that you have done that will exclude you from God's forgiveness. And there's nothing that you ever will do that will exclude you from God's forgiveness. You are his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. It's not about who you are or what you do in this world. It's about who you belong to. And you belong to God. You are his prized child, and baptism is the moment for you to acknowledge those things publicly, to tell the world, Jesus has changed my life. He set me free, and I'm forever grateful. Brennan Manning says, how glorious the splendor of a human heart that trusts that it is love. Baptism is the way to say, I just know that I'm loved. I don't have it all figured out. I'm certainly not righteous on my own. I fail all the time, but the love of God has set me free. And when I enter into these waters of baptism today, this is my thank you note to God to say, thank you. Thank you for your love. And that's why we say that baptism is what transformation looks like in public. When God has has changed your life on the inside, baptism is the moment that you declare publicly what Jesus has done internally. And so in a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand. And in a moment, we're going to pray. And as you feel that stirring in your heart, I want to invite you, as soon as I say amen, to grab the the person next to you, your your spouse, your friend, maybe a a small group member. It's okay if you grab a stranger and you just say, listen, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go get baptized today. Would you go with me? And so I want to invite you to stand right now and I'm going to pray. And as soon as I say amen, those of you that are ready to be baptized, those of you that no longer want anything to stand in the way of your relationship with him, I'm gonna invite you to go right out those back doors. We have a team of people that are there to greet you, to meet you, to give you every single thing that you need, a t-shirt, a change of clothing, and we are gonna celebrate your transformed life. Like that girl that said, is that Soul City Place a dance party? Well, we're gonna turn it into one here in a minute. We are gonna celebrate lives transformed through the love of Jesus. And so I want you to pray with me and as you close your eyes and as you open your heart, some of you know right now that the spirit of God is speaking to you. And some of you know that you have resisted baptism for far too long. Some of you know that you've made all kinds of excuses and all kinds of reasons and you feel the voice of God calling to you today saying, come home come home. I love you, son and daughter. I've transformed your heart. Will you now tell the world of what I've done? And so Jesus, I pray for every man and woman in this room here today that you are speaking to right now. God, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage to follow in what you're calling them to do. And Jesus, I pray right now, that we would see a celebration of transformed lives in this place today. It's in your name that we pray, amen.